Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, guys, we're going to jump into the word for this morning. Um, as, you, as you already know, we have been going through a series entitled Prison Prayers of the Apostle Paul, where we are looking at the prayers that Paul prayed while he was in prison in some of the letters that he wrote to the churches that, uh, while he was in prison. And, and um, specifically, the, the, the churches or, or the letters that he wrote were Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, three of them to specific churches, one of them to a specific individual. And in these letters, Paul writes prayers. He, he pins a prayer that he's been praying for that church or for that individual. And it's one that I believe that he prayed, and he says that he continues to pray, hoping that it would change their life or at least enhance their walk with Christ. And as we're going through these prayers, I believe that, that as, as Paul intended it for them, I believe that it's also intended to do the same thing and have the same effect in our lives as well. And I really have been enjoying going through this series so far. In, uh, in, in part one, we, we just did a little introduction talking about the imprisonment, how Paul ended up in prison, and also which imprisonment we're talking about. When you read through Acts, there are three times that Paul ends up in prison, and two of them were, were a Roman imprisonment. But specifically, the first Roman imprisonment and his second time being in prison is the time that we are speaking of, where, where we get the word prison epistles, talking about the letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison. And uh, in part one, we were in, in, uh, in the second prayer that Paul prays in chapter 3 of Ephesians. And then this last, uh, in, in part 3, we looked at Philippians. And today, we are going to be in Colossians. And we're going to do, I, I, we're not going to do too much background on this one. Um, but um, what I want to do is just give a little bit of, just enough background to give us a little bit of context. I don't know about you, but uh, context for me just helps me so much. Um, and context in conversation matters. You know, when you're having a conversation, you know, somebody just drops something and you don't really know what they're talking about. It's hard to really get a hold of what somebody is saying. And I really believe that the Word of God is the exact same way. Whenever we can get a, when we understand the context of what is being said, it really makes a difference. And so, um, uh, Colossians, uh, um, is a letter that was written by Paul to the church in Colossae. And as Paul was writing this letter, as we know, he was in prison. And um, the reason why he wrote this letter to the Colossians was not because he knew them, because actually he had never visited Colossae up until this point. He had never, he had never met them in person. In fact, it was, it was through a... a um, a convert of his by name, a man named Epaphras. Epaphras was what uh, Paul describes him as a faithful minister of the gospel. So we, we know that he was a leader in this church. He most likely was a pastor, maybe the pastor of the church, but nonetheless, he was a minister. And Paul, while he was there, or, or while Epaphras was there, he, the intention of him being in, being in Rome was, number one, he wanted to aid Paul in his imprisonment. He was there to help him out, but also he wanted to inform him 
of some things that they were hearing. They were hearing some, some teachings, specifically a heresy, which means a false teaching, that uh, specifically that, that was, that was uh, concerning the person of Jesus Christ. They were hearing things that were not of God, and it was causing them to live a life that was not of God, not of the Word of God, and definitely was not something that, 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 that the Apostle Paul and um, that they knew was not the gospel. And so Paul, he decides to write this letter to specifically address these issues head on. And so whenever we are going to read through this, we'll kind of see this. But, but Paul, whenever he is writing to these, uh, uh, when he's writing to these people, you see Paul, as he is writing in chapter 1, he's addressing them and helping them uh, to, uh, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm having to reset this real quick. But Paul, as he is writing in chapter 1, he's speaking to them, and you can tell he doesn't know them. But he specifically addresses them, thanking them for all that, you know, for, for all the things that they had been doing. But the connection there was Epaphras. And after that, he gets to his prayer. And as Paul is praying, he, as, as he begins to share this prayer, he's laying out in this prayer what he's wanting to address to them. But uh, Paul specifically, he is wanting them to know a few things. And the few things that he wants them to know, he, lets him, he, he specifically lists in his prayer. So we're going to get to um, this prayer in just a minute, but... The false teachers who had infiltrated the church were teaching that Jesus was not actually God, is what they were teaching. And there were some other things that they were saying, but ultimately, that is the one thing ultimately that you see in the book of Colossians is him talking about Jesus, who Jesus is at the end of the day, and making them well know that he was fully God and fully man. But he was addressing this head on, and he wanted them to understand this one truth. So what we're going to do real fast is we're going to read through this prayer. It's verses 9 through 12, it's a, it's, it's, and it's a very uh, dense prayer, as all of them are. We're going to read through this, and, we're, and then we're going to go through it verse by verse. So let's go ahead. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, and it reads as so. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So the title of the message this morning is God's will for your life. What is God's will for your life? Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. But Paul, beginning in verse 9, he prays. He, he, says, he says, from this day we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. In other words, he's praying that they would know the will of God for their life. That was his prayer. He begins his prayer that way. Now, there's a reason why Paul is praying this prayer and why he's sharing with them 
why he was praying this prayer. The reason why. The, the, the reason was because there were gaps in their knowledge concerning Christ, specifically God's will concerning Christ. There were gaps, and because they had gaps, it made them susceptible to false teaching. Whenever there was a fault, whenever these people infiltrated the church, however they got in there, and I imagine that they start sharing, you know, one-on-one in small groups, you know, you know, creating little, little divisions, you know, little pockets where they can share what they believed was the truth, which clearly was not. Whenever they were hearing it, because of the gaps that they had in their knowledge and, and their understanding of, of who Jesus was, they began to fall for these teachings, and eventually they were deceived. And the reason why Paul is praying that they would know God's will was so that they would know the truth and so that they would avoid deception. And that is so important for today. And I don't have to, I don't have to say it because we know, but there are so many false truths in our culture today floating around, waiting and looking for an opportunity to infiltrate our belief system. And not just us, but our children, our children's children, our grandchildren. You know, you you can't even, you can't just put on YouTube kids. (laughs) You you can't just, it says YouTube kids, but I've seen some raunchy stuff on YouTube kids. You can't even put on, you can't even use a filter. There are so many things that are out there looking to try to warp the truth. And it looks so innocent. It looks so kind and polite. They'll they'll put it in a way that sounds good, but it's twisting the truth. The devil knows what he's doing. And this was what was happening in the church of Colossae. It sounded good. Man, it sounded good. But it was not the truth. You see... If we have to be careful to realize that the Colossians, they were, these were believers, but they had gaps. It's true that we, there's a good chance that we too might have gaps in our knowledge of God's will. That we have gaps concerning the word of God. And if we're not careful, we'll imagine that we're good, that reading the Bible last week was good enough for me. But the truth is that we need to know God's will. We need to know his will for our life. You see, when we talk about God's will, God has an ultimate will for all mankind. He does. He has an ultimate will, but God also has an individual will for your life. He has an ultimate will and an individual will, and the will for your life will always line up and match up with God's ultimate will. It's going to fit into his ultimate plan, his ultimate purpose. What he has for you is going to match up and it's going to, and it's going to fit right in. And if the life that we're living does not line up with his plan, with his purpose, with the word of God, then it is not God. It's not him. Because it will always line up with him. And I love Paul talks about God's will in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. And in verse 2, he says, do not can be conformed 
to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you will be able to prove and test what is God's will, and which he describes as good, pleasing, and perfect. God has a good will, a pleasing will, and a perfect will. God's good will for your life is your blessing, that you would be blessed, that you will be covered, that you will be protected, that you, it's, it's all about taking care of you. And, that's, and, and listen, God, has, God, God wants us to be blessed, but that's not the extent of his will for our life. It's much richer and much deeper than that. If that was it, it'd be pretty shallow. But God has more for us than just his goodwill. He also has a perfect will. God's perfect will, it goes into eternity. That one day that we will all be made right, we will all be made perfect when Jesus returns. That, all, that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that all evil will be destroyed, and there will be a new heaven and new earth. God's perfect will is that we will spend eternity with him. But God also has a pleasing will. And it's different from God's goodwill. His goodwill is for our blessing. God's pleasing will is for our obedience. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, once we're saved, is moving us further away from His goodwill for our life and trying to move us closer and further into His pleasing will. As we mature and grow, God's desire is that we will become more, that, that we become more aware of what God's desires are for our life and want to match up with His. I still remember, man, Pastor, I remember being 19, 20 years old and, you know, just, I don't know why I thought I had to do this, but I would get in my, in my 1991 Honda Civic hoopty. Let me just put that right there. It was a hoopty. And it was all dinged up, no radio in it, got stolen out of it before I bought it. And I drove up to the car, you know, sorry, you know, I drove up to the church, got to the church parking lot as, you know, as often as I could, and I would pray. I don't know why I felt like I had to pray in the church parking lot. I could have prayed at home, but I just drive up there. I felt more holy, I guess. And I just remember, Lord, Lord, show me your will for my life. And I would just pray every single day, just asking God to show me his will. I'm just, you know, you know like almost like if he was hiding it from me, like I, like I had to continue to, to seek after it. And then one day he was going to show me. I don't know what I was looking for. Maybe he was going to just speak it in my ear. It was going to paint out for me. I had no idea what I was looking for. But I remember doing that. And just, I just imagine God just thinking, Marcus, come on now. Come on, man. If you would let me, if you just let me, just, just listen, I've shown you my will. And as I matured and I grew, I realized God's will for my life was right in front of me. And God's will for our life is simply that we would be pleasing to him. It is at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. And the center of God's will is Jesus. At the center of his will is, is Jesus. The Old Testament, it points to Jesus. The New Testament it reveals Jesus. The whole Bible is all about Jesus. That is his will. In fact, the book of Colossians itself is all about that simple fact of revealing of who Jesus is, that he is God's will. That's, that, that's it. He is it. He is the center of our faith. He is the foundation of our faith. It's all about him. But he was wanting them to know God's will. And in verse 9, he, said, and he continues, he says, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, which is the key to knowing God's will. We can't know God's will without the Spirit of God. It's through him revealing it to us. But in verse 10, he reveals why he's praying this prayer specifically. Why does he want them to know 
God's will. Why? In verse 10, he explains, so that, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So that you will walk in a way worthy of the Lord. So that they would live a life that was in alignment with the truth. You see, the, the, the deception that was creeping into their church, that it began to creep into their belief system, the Colossian church, it was causing them to live in error. They were starting to live a life that was not in line with the Word of God. They were beginning to walk out a fruitless faith. A fruitless faith, a faith basically that cannot save us. There is a faith that cannot save us and is a faith that is not built on Jesus as the foundation. Without Jesus, there is, it's just a fruitless faith. It's just religion. It is important that we know the truth of God's will as it will guard us from living a fruitless faith, from doing things that have no benefit to our walk with Jesus, but believing that it does. Believing that it does. What is a fruitless faith? 2 Timothy chapter 3 explains it like this. 2 Timothy verse three, chapter 3 verse 5 says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. It is one that is devoid of power, and that is one that they were living. And Paul was wanting them to know the truth so that it can help them to line in with the Word of God. See, if you know God's will, it will be seen in your life. God's will for your life is that we would be pleasing to Him. That is, God, that is, that is the will of God for our life, is simply that we would be pleasing to Him. That we would please Him with our life. That is His will. And of course, we can't do that without Jesus, which is why He goes through and explains. And so, um, what does that look like? What does it look like to live a life that is pleasing to God? What does that look like? Well, we can name a lot of things, but Paul in this prayer lists out. He lists out what it looks like to live a life that is pleasing to Him. God's will is that we would please Him with our life, that we'd be fully pleasing to Him. And then He lists out verses 10 through 12. Let's read it all together, and then we'll go through those one at a time. Verse 10, He says, bearing fruit and every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, and giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance in the saints. So this is, so list out four ways, four things of, of what it looks like for us to, to live a life that is pleasing to Him. So first one, he says that, that it's ple- we please God when we bear fruit through good works. We are pleasing to God when we bear fruit through good works. Fruit. Man, I remember, I don't know why I'm sure this, but I remember uh, whenever, uh, I think I was like 16 years old, being in my kitchen, reading my Bible, and sitting there stumped 
at Jesus talking about fruit. You'll know a tree by its fruit. And I just remember thinking like, God, what in the world does this mean? And I look back at that and I'm just so thankful for moments like that. You know, you know, you know where we wrestle through the words. So every time I see fruit, I, I, it's always a flashback for me. But, um, but fruit are the results of, of what the Holy Spirit is producing in us. As, as, an apple tree, as an apple tree produces apples, the Holy Spirit produces righteousness in our life. And that's the fruit. And, and it pleases God when we allow the Holy Spirit. When we allow the Holy Spirit, because we can't get in the way. We can't stop. We can stunt the, the, the production of the Holy Spirit in our life. But when we allow him, he's going to produce righteousness. That is pleasing to God. Because the truth is that we cannot grow our own spiritual fruit. We can't do it. It's impossible. Only the Spirit can. And we see in John chapter 15, Jesus talks about this very thing. That, that, that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, he says, then you will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. It's his words remaining in us and us staying connected to him. In other words, when, when, when branches are connected to a vine, they grow fruit. And when we are connected to Jesus, we produce character, conduct, and converts who are in line with Christ. That's what it looks like, fruit. This shows up on the outside as good works as well. It causes us to do good works. It causes us to do things that, 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 that God has commanded us to do in his word. And this is one thing that I love about our church. Man, Pastor Ron and Ms. Brenda, man, you guys have built such a healthy church, such a strong church, and many, and many of you who have been here for years. And I just look at the fruit of what we do, the works, the things that we do, Everything that we have our hand in is, is, is not fruitless. Everything, everything is involved in the kingdom of God. Every single thing. And when we get involved with things that we do, I mean, you know, the church in Port Arthur and what we're doing in Kenya and what we're doing around the world, what we do in, in times of need. I mean, everywhere you look, we're sharing the gospel. We're meeting needs. We're doing all these things. And it's all good works bearing fruit. I mean, just by being involved, you know, I mean, it, 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 that alone keeps us. But, man, I'm just so proud of our church. Man, I love our church. It, it's, it's different, Pastor Ron. It, it is a little different. And, 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 I, and I say that being to many churches that, you know, I, I've been to many churches. And I know a, a lot of people of what, what a lot of other pastors do and, you know, and a lot of other friends do. But I also know what we do. And we are about making sure that we are moving forward the kingdom of God. And you can only do that if you, if you, are, if you are ensuring or that, that we are doing good works. And let me tell you, it is bearing fruit. I can tell you that I believe that our church is pleasing to God. I truly believe that. And I believe that our church produces believers who are pleasing to God if we allow ourselves to continue to fall in line. Praise God. But we please God when we bear fruit through good works. Secondly, we please God when we increase in the knowledge of Him. Now, this sounds so simple that it's kind of like, oh, yeah, 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 of course, you know, yeah, you've heard that. But I think that these probably, you know, I think that the believers probably thought the same thing. 
But again, they had gaps in their knowledge. And it's important that we are growing and increasing in the knowledge of God to ensure that we are covering our gaps, that we are filling our gaps. And there's, there's always something new that's coming out in our culture. And the Word of God is always going to keep the truth. Filling ourselves with the Word of God will keep us in line with the truth. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, the heart of Christian faith is simply knowing God more. It's simply just, 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 just growing in Him. And there are a lot of things that we can increase our knowledge in. We have Google. Whatever we want to learn, we can learn. I also got Siri. Siri seems to know a lot of things too. You know, we can know a lot of things. And in fact, we probably should. There's a lot of things that we have to know. There's things that we have to grow in, that we have to increase in. But, there, but it's what are we anchoring? Our life should be God-centered, that, that, that we are increasing in the knowledge of God at the heart of it all. But simply to ensure that we are avoiding deception, avoiding from being confused, from, being, from things being twisted without us realizing it. For things, you know, uh, I mean, I, I have to constantly monitor not just what my girls watch, but also what they're saying. And uh, our, my kids ask great questions, and I love it because I, I love getting to give them truth. But sometimes they come home confused, or they'll go to the movies with my siblings you know, you know, with my brother or my parents, and they'll come home confused because of something that they saw. And if it's, confu- if it's confusing to children, we shouldn't be trying to make sense of it either. Truth is clear. Truth is always clear. And we need the Word of God to, continue, to, to grow in it, continue to increase in it. That way we can continue to know and be able to decipher what is true and what is false. Amen? Thirdly, We please God when we are being strengthened with his power in order to be steadfast and patient. I found this really interesting. Paul's prayer is that they would know God's will so that they would be pleading to him, that they would be strengthened. And the the key words here for me are being strengthened. Because if we're all honest... At the core of us, we are all just a little bit stubborn. I mean, just a little bit. I mean, if we're being honest, we all have a little bit of stubbornness in us. And our tendency, if we just allow it, when we go through something, is we want to, as you know, if we want to try to handle it ourselves. We want to, man, I, you know, I, I, mean, I got this. I got this. And there are, there are times, you know, we, we have to do all that we can. But... It pleases God when we allow Him to strengthen us. In other words, God likes our weakness. He loves our weakness. He loves when we can take a step back and say, God, I can't do this. God, I need you. Humility, which, uh, which Pastor Ron, uh, I remember when we were going through uh, 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 First Chronicle, uh, Second Chronicles uh, uh, 7.14, and the prayer, when we talked about humility, you described as simply, uh, simply realizing that we need God. And that is what it is. And I believe that, that God loves when we humble ourselves because it pleases Him 
when he gets to help us, when he gets to strengthen us. God wants to strengthen us. He wants to strengthen us with his power to enable us to do a lot of things. But here, Paul was praying for some some specific things. You see, in our own strength, we are prone to pride and to fear and to worry and anxiety and jealousy and envy, and we can keep going on and on and on. But in, in faith, God is able to demonstrate His ability through our inability. And I love that. The quicker that we realize that we are weak and unable, the quicker that we are able to see God's power revealed in our life. But it pleases God. He says that to strengthen us with power in order to be steadfast, to to endure difficult moments, and to be patient with difficult people. It pleases God. It literally, it pleases God when we allow Him to strengthen us through hard moments and to deal with difficult people. You know, I, I, you know, I think about... Um, this whole deal, you know, I, I just want to thank everyone, by the way, for praying for Malaya. She's doing wonderful. I mean, wonderful. God is so good. Your prayers have made a difference. For those who don't know, my daughter, she had heart surgery, and they said that she'd be in the hospital for about 10 to 12 days. She was out in six. And they were shocked. They were shocked. And I told them, listen, it's because we have a lot of people praying, you know. Uh, and so, but leading up to it, you know, I honestly had a peace, and I really believe that Melinda and I, we, we just decided, I mean, there was literally nothing that we can do. My baby needed heart surgery, and there's nothing I can do about it. I couldn't give her my heart. There's nothing I could do. I couldn't do anything. And the best thing that I was able to do was to take a step back and just, and just trust God. And so, that's, and so that's what we did. But man, the day of when she was having surgery, man, I knew that God, I was going to need another grace, and God provided it. There was a strength that he gave, and watching her recover, watching her struggle was one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through, probably the hardest thing I ever had to go through. And there were moments of weakness that I had. But, man, when I would take a step back, whether it was a text or whether it was a visit or whether, whatever it was, I, I was encouraged and strengthened his power strengthened me, and even to this day, that where I just knew that things were going to be okay. And you know, there are times where it works out and there's times that it doesn't, but one thing that God does, one thing I do know is it pleases God when we allow him to strengthen us through those moments because he produces something in us that we can't produce in ourselves. It pleases him. And not only through difficult moments, but also with difficult people. And listen, does anybody know a difficult people? I mean, come on. Can I get an amen? We, there are some difficult people in our life, whether they're at work, whether they're in your family, most likely in your family, and maybe in your friend group. And, you know, at times we just want to pray those people away. God, deliver me from this person. But that's not pleasing. That, that's the, that is not what pleases him, but what pleases him is when we allow him to strengthen us to be patient with him. I mean, just think how patient God has been with you, how God has been patient with me. But it pleases him 
when we can endure and be patient because there is something. You know, I, I, don't, I, I, I can't claim to know all the reasons why God wants us to be patient, but I can figure out. And one thing I do know is that as God has been patient with me, he wants me to show that same patience. And he, he can produce that in me if, we can, if I can allow him to strengthen me. If you can allow him to strengthen you so he can be patient with those people, that is pleasing to God. And fourthly, it pleases God when we give thanks to him for our eternal salvation. We are pleasing to God when we are thankful in every situation. And it's true that life brings good times and life brings bad times. Life brings times that are easy. Life brings times that are hard. But no matter what season we are in, there is always a choice when we go through it to land on the side of being thankful or to be sour. There's a choice for us to be grateful or uh, for us to complain. We have a spot that we get to land. The world is full of grumblers, it's full of complainers, but God does not want that to be us. But instead, it pleases Him when we can land in the place where we can be thankful. Now that's hard. You know, Saying it and reading it is one thing, but living it is completely different. That's not easy to do. And you, I'm looking at a lot of people who have been through things much harder than I've ever been through. And we know, you know, how hard it is to be thankful. So how do we do that? How, how, how do we develop an attitude of thankfulness in a world of difficult problems and difficult people? How? Well, Paul, in verse 12, tells us that one of the ways is by remembering the salvation that we have through Christ. By meditating on the salvation, on salvation gives us perspective in the midst of our difficulty. Why? Because in the grand scheme of things, let me just read what Paul says here. He says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. We have been qualified for salvation. We have been qualified for eternal life. Not because we did anything. It's not in ourselves that we qualify for salvation. Listen, we broke God's law. When you break the law, there is a penalty. And in God's court, it's eternal separation from God. But thanks be to God for Jesus. Jesus, what he did on the cross his death, burial, and resurrection has qualified us for salvation, for eternal life. Man, things are difficult in life. And, and you know, I, I mean, as many of you know better than me, there's an adjustment that comes with life because of the, difficult that, the difficulty that we go through. But one thing that is true is that things will be okay. And what I mean, according to this verse, is that we can take a step back. And when we need a breath of fresh air, when we need to be reminded, when we need something to give us perspective, we can just think and meditate on the salvation that we have in Christ. That one day, one day, when we see Christ, He is going to make everything right. He is going to make everything right. 
And that right there can give us perspective that we can be thankful. One thing that we can be thankful for is the salvation that we have in Christ. I'm so thankful. Aren't you thankful for what Jesus did for you? Aren't you thankful that you have a promise, an eternal promise waiting for you? He, he has it protected. He, 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 he's, 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 uh, he's guarding it for us. Romans 8.28 says this, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his, to his purpose for them. He is making it all good. So just a few takeaways, and then we'll go ahead and close. Number one, uh, uh, God's will for your life is to live in a way that pleases him. And we do that by, number one, bearing fruit in every good work. Let us allow the Holy Spirit to bear fruit in our life. It pleases God. It's pleasing to him. And I don't know about you, all I want to do is please God with my life. That's all I want to do. In fact, I believe that the best place to be in life is in the will of God. Knowing, following his word, and, and, and living to please him is, is the best place we can ever be in our life. We do that by bearing fruit. Number two, by growing in the knowledge of God. Continuing, allow the word of God to fill us continually. Number three, being strengthened by God to be patient with, through difficult moments and with difficult people. To allow God to strengthen us. And then fourthly, giving God thanks in every situation. That pleases God. It, it, it pleases Him. So I'm encouraged today, this week, to allow God to continue to work in my life through the Word. To allow Him to produce that fruit and not get in the way. To, to, to be patient with difficult people. To be patient and to be steadfast through hard moments. And also to give God thanks for the salvation that he has for us. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. God, for your will for our life, Lord. I thank you, God, that you have not hidden it from us, but Lord, you've made it plain, and it's through Christ. Lord, we thank you, God, that your desire for us is to live a life that is pleasing to you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would help us to do that, Lord. Help us, God, to fill the gaps in our life, Lord, through the word of God. Help us, Father God, Lord, to allow the Holy Spirit to produce a, a holiness and righteousness in our life, Lord. God, I pray that you would help us, God, 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 to take a step back and allow you to be our strength and our weakness, Lord. God, to make it through difficult moments in life, God, and God, to deal with the difficult people in our life, God, to Show them Jesus, Lord. And God, I pray, Father God, that you would help us, Lord. God, to give you thanks, to be thankful, to be appreciative, to be grateful, Lord, for all that you have done for us, Lord. Help us. Give us perspective, Lord. God, our desire is to be pleasing to you, Father. God, we give you all the glory. If you believe that and receive it, say amen and amen. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.